Hey there, it's JVL. On The Secret Show with Sarah Longwell today, we talked about the death of the Russian patriot Alexei Navalny, and we talked about Tim Miller's interview with Dean Phillips, and yeah, we actually talked a little bit about uh, the Iron Claw, too. Here's the show. I am, I'm actually shit about this, and the reason is, is that what just happened in America that might have left Putin feeling so emboldened that he could kill his number one critic, the number one, the leader of the opposition party in jail who voluntarily went back to Russia knowing he would be jailed because he wanted to continue to speak out, right? They tried to kill this guy before. They were unsuccessful. The West has certainly lionized him. The media has talked to him. And yet... Donald Trump said maybe a week ago that he told this charming anecdote about, oh, if people didn't pay their NATO bills exactly, that yes, Russia should be encouraged to invade Europe, which is not how NATO works, by the way. Okay, but Donald Trump made it clear that sure, our, our, nope, uh, we'll let, we'll let them have their way with you, guys. Uh, that happened. And then Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House, refused to allow aid to Ukraine, who is a sovereign nation that Russia invaded. They refused to, to and, and they got immigration for it. The toughest immigration bill in decades, they were getting that for it. Refused to hold the vote. Okay? What else happened? An American, quote-unquote, uh, journalist... Tucker Carlson went over there, got bent over by Putin, humiliated by him, gives him a soft soap interview, and then walks around Russia talking to what the Russia, I don't even know what their like government body is talking about, how much better it is in Russia than in America, going to a Russian grocery store to be like, look how much better things are here. So it is not shocking to me that in this moment, Putin thinks he can get away with this and that no one will push back because everything America has demonstrated, everything the Russia files and the Republican Party, who, by the way, now dominate Congress, dominate the House of Representatives. There's still decent people in the Senate. But here's the thing. Uh, uh, I think Tim said this on the next level that uh, that Mark, what's his name? Mark Wayne. Mark Wayne Mullins, Mark Wayne Mullen, right? This guy, the one who's like, get up and I'll fight you during, uh, you know, one of our breast and brightest that we're sending yeah. to the Senate these days. Um, he noted how none of the senators, the Republican senators under 55, voted for the aid to Ukraine bill, which is very telling about the new generation of Republicans. You know, Vladimir Putin comes out and says, oh, no, no, I want Biden to be the president. <laughs> sure, yeah. sure. Okay, so this is where we are. They've interfered in our elections. They own a substantial stake in the new Republican Party. Yeah, so now Putin thinks he can go ahead and in broad daylight, after everybody, like Nelvaney, he is a he is a known quantity here in America. They think he can off him with no consequences. Uh, and it is it is sickening. This is one of those days where like, it should be stark to all the anti-antis. It should be a stark moment for all the people who like to be like, man, man, man. It's even worse. It's even worse Go than ahead. all that. Okay. Because Go. all those people who this should be a stark reminder to 
are instead going to blame Biden for it. We'll see. Look how weak Biden is. Putin thinks he can just kill Navani. It's not, uh, you know, when Donald Trump was was president, he was so strong. Putin didn't invade Ukraine. That's the worst part. The worst part is that the people who have made this possible are then going to blame Joe Biden for it. That's how perverse it is. Uh, it's, I mean, you know, dictatorship has its advantages, right? You can, you can do stuff like this. It's brittle. I mean, this is in the, in the giant political science view, the, not the 30,000 foot view, but the, the orbital view from space. Dictatorships can move with singularity of purpose. They don't have to deal with opposition. They can just kill people who are inconvenient. They don't have to build coalitions. They don't have to do any of the, the messy stuff. They're not constrained by anything except the imagination of the strong man. And they're very effective at stuff like this. Uh, it, you know, it, it, there were a lot of times during the Cold War when I would sit around going, well, that's not true. I wasn't like really alive. But when you look back in the history of the Cold War and you just think, how did we ever win? <laughs> like the Russians had a lot of advantages. How did we win? And uh, it's, it's very, very bad. And the useful idiots thing, what Tucker has done here, I mean, it's not, it's not just the interview with Putin, which is itself reprehensible. It's not just the lying about the interview with Putin by saying that the reason he's done it is because no real journalists have, have tried, which of course is it's a not lie. true. It's a, a lie. lie. Uh, it's not that the, the interview itself is, as you said, utterly soft serve. And just sat there, let Putin filibuster for 25 minutes. And by the way, there are people who looked at that interview and somehow said, yeah, look how together Putin is. Joe Biden couldn't give a 30 minute lecture on, on, uh, you know, American history, the way Putin did on Russian history. I am sorry, but Putin's, Putin's lecture on the history of the Russian empire is totally fucked up. Yeah. Like, it's, it, it it's is the like reason he makeup. knows it is it's his alternate reality right. that he's constructing. Like, he's very good at articulating <laughs> the alternate reality. He's he can just sit around and say words. Okay, sure. Uh, and, and then to be used in, and this is what I go, go back. I mean, you know, a, a large part of my, my formation in, thinking about the world and foreign affairs was is cold war based even though i'm not I'm not that old but you know the cold war was a formative but all the thing people who taught us were right all the right. people who who taught us about politics really learned a lot because they lived through the cold war and there was this thing that would happen all the time throughout the cold war where the soviets would bring a bunch of red or pink commie leaning Americans over to Russia and they would show them around like they take them to the party grocery store right and say see how everything nice everything is here and say and the these people then come back and write pieces for I don't know whatever the lefty mags were probably the not Nation ramparts or something maybe it was ramparts Walter Durante famously won a, a Pulitzer Prize for the New York Times for writing about how amazing everything was in Russia and uh, these people were being used and used by America's enemies. And this is the same thing 
Like Tucker going to the Bolshoi, Tucker going to the grocery store, Tucker saying how clean the subway is. Tucker saying how it's like, you know, the nicest city in the world. You gotta be fucking kidding me. You gotta be fucking kidding me. And the, the law, and the, one of the things he said, uh, he you know, was talking about the subway. He's like, this is why so many people are afraid to ride the subway in New York City. 5.5 million people take the subway in New York City every single day. It is not the case that people are locked into their homes in New York City. Like, it's just, it's just fantasy. But it is exactly what happened during the cold. It's it's exactly it, except that we switched places now, and now it's the Christian nationalist right that is doing the propaganda for America's enemies, and not the socialist left. And it's uh, it's disgusting. So I don't, you know, I I look at this and I. I got one more thing. I really, really, there is a class of people who run around talking about the Biden crime family and how Joe Biden is a dictator and look at the weaponization of the American political system to go after the Donald Trump, the former president. And I have no patience for that because the Biden administration has been, if anything, too much of a boy. I mean, not that I don't believe they've been too much of a boy. I believe they've been exactly proper. Like, I understand Merrick Garland. People think he should have moved faster. On the other hand, Merrick Garland didn't know that Donald Trump was going to be running for president again. He was working to the assumption that like, maybe we don't have to do this. Um, when Trump declared, he turned the investigation over to uh, a special counsel who's independent of him. I mean, there are layers of walls of separation between Joe Biden and, and what's going on. And you look at the justice system where, you know, Eileen Cannon is basically, a, a, you know, she's the judge presiding over a case is essentially working as a crisis manager, crisis comms manager for the, the most serious of the cases against Trump. I, I mean, it's, you know, this is what it looks like to have an the most serious case against Trump is the January 6th case, but she's the documents case. Well, I think the documents. So the open and shut case, yeah. the most open, the most and shut likely case. to get a conviction, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and this is what an adversarial system. Of, I'm not saying this is bad. I'm saying this is this is good, right? In an adversarial system of justice that is impartial, you're going to have stuff like this, and it's going to be heavily weighted in favor of the defense. And what you know, these these are all the good things about America's liberal system. In Russia, you got Alexei Navalny who gets. Poisoned with nerve agent in 2020 by the government of Russia. Mm. He then gets put in jail, then shipped to an Arctic penal colony in the Arctic Circle. This is you know, like it's out of a James Bond movie or something where he's then put in a punishment cell. Uh, three of his lawyers are also jailed just for just for defending him. Two others flee the country and are arrested in absentia. And then he's killed at age 47. That's what a crime family looks like. That is what the deep state, the, do you, do you see what I'm saying? Like, it's not like these people yes. who are running around yelling about deep state don't have an example in the world that they could look at and say, oh, that's what that thing is. It's not like they're trying to imagine. Right. And it's, it's, it's like we're living in the upside down. It's like and, we're living in the upside down, Sarah. So on the upside down, um, one of the things you were just talking about, like, you you learned about this uh, from Cold War history, but most importantly, like we are, you are the like late seventies. I was born in nineteen eighty, right? Like our conservatism 
and our political my earliest political memories are about the cold war right it's like yeah. uh and 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 sort of being like a reagan baby uh what is so strange is to watch the republican party actively be in thrall to putin and russia when so much of the identity of the republican party well into the 90s uh, and 2000s was as an anti-Russian party, as an anti-communist, anti-dictator party, the kind of party who would accuse other people of being too soft on these things, too accommodating, uh, that this was about right and wrong. This was about moral clarity. And like that defined so much of how I thought about what the Republican Party was supposed to be, that it's it is breathtaking to watch what is happening right now. I I just, people, I told this story already, but I'm just going to quickly tell it again a little bit about, because it's been bugging me so much about how that her report came out being like, Biden's a nice old man. Uh, And my phone just like blows up with reporters who want to talk about whether or not the, how do the focus groups feel about Joe Biden's age, which is like a question I've been answering now for a gajillion years. Um, and it's all the voters know about it. They and they have strong feelings about it. They think he is too old. They did not need the her report to tell them, uh, right? But either Joe Donald Trump gets on stage and says, "Yeah, open season on Europe, Russia, go for it." Uh, amazing, unless it? you do exactly unless you do what I say, and nobody calls me to be like, "Isn't this insane? Isn't this the craziest thing?" What do your focus groups think about Trump just inviting? It should saying, end his candidacy. It sh- and, and, and but it should have been ended. He stood yeah. on the stage with Vladimir Putin and sided against America's intelligence yeah. community back in 2017. I mean, th- th- there's a million disqualifying things in here. Um, not to mention, just since you brought up the the DOJ, Comer, they're impeaching Biden, right? Their witness who said he had he's being prosecuted for lying now. Yeah, he's lying. The entire thing is based on. Lies. He's fabricated a bunch of stuff, like documents and everything. Yeah. He's going to go to jail for lying, and Joe Biden's been impeached. Tucker, you know, and Sean Hannity, they've been talking about it on Fox News endlessly, on repeat. Jesse Waters uh, telling people that Biden is corrupt, and the whole thing is based on a lie. But it is not a lie that Donald Trump, we all heard it with our own ears, and everybody acts not surprised by it. Yeah. Marco, did you hear little Marco's uh, defense of it on the Sunday shows? Did you hear that? Yeah, I did. It was like he didn't do it while he was president. He didn't pull us out of NATO. And, you know, like, he's just not a traditional politician. He talks differently than you people. I can't believe you people are still falling for this. That was Marco's, like, you know, we all know it. We all know how, you know, it'll be fine. Other presidents have asked European partners to pay pay more of their share of defense. And that's really all he was doing. (laughs) You know what? It's great. Let's ask people to. Sh- they should. They should. Uh, they should. But you know what? We never say this. And this is the thing. I, I saw this defense. This defense of what do you? It was a story about telling our allies in NATO to pay their fair share. There is a way to tell our allies in NATO to pay their fair share. It's to say, "Hey guys, you're not paying enough. I'm going to make." And and he does this right. He's been said this before. I think NATO allies need to pay more. America shouldn't have to do as much as it's doing. Now, you and I might even just disagree with that as a policy matter and say, actually, America likes to be in the driver's seat on these things. Um, 
you know, and that's okay with us. But like, forget it. Let's just say, let's take it at its value. Okay. Say that they should pay. That is planets apart from saying that the repercussions for not doing it is to actively say uh, Russia can invade Europe. Like, this is not, this is not like funny game time. These things are the most serious things that could be. He can't just, this is like uh, the, the, what is it, the, the gaslighting by Marco that this is just, oh, you don't have to take him seriously. You know who's taking him seriously? Putin, Russia, yeah. Orban, every enemy America's ever had. And it's not like we're, it's not like we're talking about hypotheticals. It's not like, you know, oh, you know. It's sure, not like they like didn't Russia just invade, invade another like, democracy. It just, it just happened. It's happening right now. Uh, it's really, you know, once again, the contrast is as clear as possible. The facts on the ground, we aren't talking about hypotheticals. We, we have a real actual invasion with real war crimes and crimes against humanity and the real kidnapping of more than 20,000 Ukrainian children and the exportation and of And a them real vote Russian. among American congressmen, not Right. To support them, and and in exchange for for something that they say they desperately want, and uh, and we have a, a president who who has now made explicit that he views he views the world as a mafia don. Right. This is. I mean, the the, the we you and I didn't get to talk about this last week. You don't mean Biden, our current president. No, you mean no. Our I, previous I mean president, the previous president who wants to be president, again. who yeah. views it as protection money. I mean, to listen to him talk about that, when he was like, "Oh, you're delinquent. You're behind in your payments. So I'll I'll encourage them to to fuck." That is literally like a, a mobster in New York making his rounds through the various restaurants for their for their protection racket otherwise they might have a fire right that's that's his view of the world in the same way i don't think anybody for his has for, i think people have forgotten this do you remember when there was the moment where he was like well why aren't we taking the oil from iraq do you remember this back in in 2016 and he was like well we should be taking the oil like we went and we uh you know we went to war in there like it's, it's as if spoils like this was his view of the world this is everything is like it's the mob and uh and he's, you know, at best, in the best possible world, he will lose by five points. That's it. That's where we are. I'll take it. I will take Look, that. I'll take it, too. But it's not sustainable in the long run. You can't, you can't have a stable liberal society where every four years... You are rolling the dice, and you have to come up with double sixes. You know? Like, you can't... It, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, all right. Can we talk about Dean Phillips and Tim's interview yeah. with Dean Phillips, which was yeah. tremendous. Awesome. Uh, and I, I want to ask you your thoughts, but I, the two things I want to set the table with. The first is that Tim was absolutely respectful and polite and yet he did not let anything that phillips said go past and this to me was what every sunday show interview should have been should be right every like, i don't know how Kristen welker should take notes from tim miller and it was an utterly devastating interview but the the real skills like anybody can be devastating 
if they just want to be an asshole. Right. But Tim was utterly devastating while being, you know, just working in good faith and and being perfectly collegial, which was was outstanding. But this, the second thing is Phillips, his entire shtick is to attack Biden. And the Trump aspect of it is, of course, Trump is terrible, blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you how horrible Joe Biden is. Let yeah. me tell you all the ways Joe Biden has failed. And the contrast of that with the Republican right. primary is amazing to me. That's the the thing I most want to <laughs> yeah, And also, also, I think most I... of his Biden criticisms are absolute bullshit. Like, you know, Biden wasn't bipartisan enough. I'm going to bring bipartisanship back. What the fuck are you talking about, dude? <laughs> like, but, but anyway, but what, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, I agree with you. And, you know, Tim, Tim's interview style, which I, I personally just works the best for me, is that he talks to people like humans, right? Like yeah. he, he's not have he doesn't sit there with like a list of questions and then like lets the answer happen and like whatever. Like he, inter like he, people get mad at Tim for interrupting, but like when Dean Phillips would do his, uh, he would sort of go on his pre-planned rants. Tim would interject and be like, so he'd be like, see, this is the thing that you do. You're not telling me right now why people should vote for you. You're making a speech about why what you think is wrong with Biden. That's not a pitch for you. And like Dean Phillips also walked away from the interview by being like, I will take your feedback because you have given me good feedback. And this is, you know, like, <laughs> but I got to say, I um, here's the thing, you know, I'm a real softy. For the old problem solvers, bipartisan pitch. Um, and he actually, from a policy standpoint, when he's kind of rattling off some of the things that he wanted to do, I was like, these are interesting enough ideas. Um, and many of them I agree with. And I, I especially agreed with him um, that I think I've sort of been, as I've been talking to Democrats, as I've moved into more of a world where we have conversations, like one of the things that I'm always saying is like, you guys have no idea. Uh, how big a problem immigration is for you. You just don't realize how how uh, how much you are being held cat. Like it's a third rail for them. There gets it's it's like you're watching the Israel Palestine thing be one of the things that splits them apart. Immigration is also a thing that splits them apart right. um, because a huge number of Americans are like, just secure the border. Like don't have people pouring over it. That doesn't make any sense. It looks like incompetence. And there's other people who are like, well, you can't talk like that. Like we need, you know, we need to let people come however they come and we need to, you know, help them and set them up. And, um, if it's racist, if you don't, uh, and you know, I think that, the, and then, and then there's a world in between. Um, but the fact is, is that that is a real minority position that any, <clears throat> that our borders should just be, um, not, just open, but that we should sort of turn a blind eye and like find a pathway for everybody. And, and here's the thing. I am a, I am really pro immigration. Like personally, I think it is good for America. I think it's who we are. I think it's our character. I think people, I think Americans can be born all over the world. Uh, and if they got freedom in their hearts and they could come here and I think we got to reform our immigration system to make it much easier for people to become Americans. But like, that's not the conversation Democrats have. They just don't talk about it. And I think that is a problem. For them. Anyway, so I agreed with him on some of the policy things, but at no point did he make a big affirmative pitch for himself. His his argument was, well, I tried to get J.B. Pritzker and I tried to get Rich Gretchen Whitmer and they wouldn't do this. So this is me being brave. And I got to tell you, he sounds... Like, um, like what I took from it from a character standpoint is, you know how people, uh, 
like he's got I think there's a quality not in all politicians but you can feel it on a lot of them where the desperate need to be liked by your opponents is just like your animating characteristic right this is a guy who wants to go on Fox News and have them be like uh yeah, isn't Biden isn't Biden senile? And like Tim was playing him clips. I yeah. love this. Tim had the receipts. Who Tim was playing him clips, and Dean Phillips is like, "Well, I push back on that," and you hear him absolutely not push back on that with Jesse Waters. You just hear him. Yeah. Uh, and so I what I lo- what I loved about the Tim interview was like it was just cathartic for me because Dean Phillips is behaving like a fraud right now, uh, and his whole oh, it's a very nice fraud. No, he does. He seems like very a perfectly po- nice person. Right. Uh, be great, it's a, great it's, neighbor. Love to have him yeah. as a neighbor. I don't think he's a bad human. I think he is. Um, I think he's making a very. I think he has dressed up something as honorable that is actually quite self-serving and ultimately silly. Like Tim, the things that were cathartic that Tim was doing is, you know, Dean Phillips is saying there's this enormous. You know, group of people that they're, first of all, he, everything he was doing was about polling, right? It was like he was using right. like this chicken and egg logic of, well, people don't want Biden because the polls say they don't want Biden and Trump's definitely going to win. And Tim's like, okay, uh, do you say there's this enormous appetite for an alternative? And yet here you are and nobody seems to want you. And uh, he was kind of like, yeah, but that's because MSNBC won't let me on to get my message out. <laughs> and it was like, sorry, dude, if you say there's a nobody wants Joe Biden, they want somebody younger, they want an alternative and you're sitting right there and nobody wants you like. That says a thing that says something just the way that it said something that Republican voters wanted Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> It's a, I, maybe I'm wrong about this. I got the sense that Dean Phillips is a nice guy who got himself into a bad idea here and is now pot committed to it. Yeah. Way past, you know, in a way that he should have climbed down from this months and months ago now feels like he can't or has started to believe all of his own stuff or maybe maybe it is that he you know politicians go where the approval is and he feels like he's getting approval from the right now because he's making trouble for biden and so he's now thinking that's his constituency you know which i think is probably i mean unless he's willing to change a whole lot of his policy views and maybe he is i don't know um then that's not going to be his natural constituency past the day when he endorses Joe Biden. And uh, the whole thing just sort of feels unfortunate. Yeah. In a little sad in a way, maybe. I don't know, because you could see a world in which he could have been a very helpful part of the Democratic caucus. Totally. He had a really... And like, look, I think we should live in the world where he's not... There, you know, it's not he's not dead to everybody. Like, I do think that there's the Democrats are pretty good at like circling the wagons and being like, you are you're done, bro. Uh, and so he probably never gets left back in, let back in to Democratic politics. And he could have been a really good rising star. Um, although I will say listening to him talk to Tim, 
nice guy. I wouldn't say like a political talent. No. Uh, and, and in large no. part because I didn't think he had very good instincts about, like, I did not find him compelling. I did not find him engaging. Uh, it's all a little smarmy. Uh, it's a little slick. And um, I don't know. I, I just, I didn't necessarily think like, boy, this guy had the brightest future. He just, he like could have been a good player. Yeah. Here, so here's the thing. So he could have, as as Tim suggested, he could have made a name for himself by being the total aggro attack dog on Trump, right? And if he had decided to do a Gavin Newsom on steroids, I'm going to go everywhere and I'm going to be the one saying all of the stuff about Trump that Biden doesn't because Biden's trying to be above the fray. Maybe he could have found 10% for himself or 8% for himself or something like that. But instead he decided he was going to go after Biden on that and just leave the Trump stuff kind of there and so that speaks to his native political instincts, I think. I think they just aren't very good. But the other the other thing that I I really, really bugged the crap out of me was his his attacks on Biden for not healing the soul of the country and not doing bipartisan. It was like he was coming from an alternate universe. Yeah. And there are, God knows, there are things that Joe Biden can be criticized for. For for sneering at Trump voters is not one of them, right? This yeah, is you know it, totally. it, he he was taking things that the you know the progressive Bernie bro types not even Bernie bro the the progressive elites on threads say when they're being mean about Trump voters and ascribing it to Joe Biden, which is which is stupid. I mean, I mean, it's, it's well, I'm it's either dishonest or stupid. I'm not sure which yeah. because Biden doesn't do any of that. Hey, Sarah, do you know there's, there's actually more of the show? Oh, yeah. there is. How much more? There's more. So much more. All of the more. It goes on for hours. If people want to get the rest of the show, you, you know what they have to do, right? I think they have to go to Bowler Plus. Do they have to subscribe? What do they yes, have to do? Yes. They have to pay us money. Oh, good. pay that man his money and go uh, to the bulwark.com and subscribe to become a member of Bulwark Plus. All the good stuff's on the other side. Bye.